Grace and peace to you, and welcome to Faith Lutheran Church. My name is Candace Wassell. I'm the pastor here at Faith. It is such a joy to have you visit with us. You are welcome, so welcome in every part of Faith's community. You are welcome to join us in person at worship on Sundays. You're welcome to visit us online. You're welcome in our mission and our fellowship, and most important, you are welcome at the Lord's table. The Holy Gospel according to St. John, the sixth chapter. Jesus said to the crowd, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Then the Jews began to complain about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They were saying, Is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he now say, I have come down from heaven? Jesus answered them, do not complain among yourselves. No one can come to me unless drawn by the Father who sent me, and I will raise that person up on the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they shall all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father except the one who is from God. He has seen the Father very truly I tell you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven, so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats of this bread will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. The Gospel of the Lord. Friends in Christ, grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. How many of you have seen The Wizard of Oz? I kind of suspected as much. Do you remember the very first time you saw The Wizard of Oz? Do you remember the first time you saw Dorothy and the Scarecrow and the Tin Man and the Cowardly Lion all skipping down the yellow brick road? I have to believe that The Wizard of Oz must be the favorite movie of millions of Americans. Every year, like clockwork, it reappears on TV, and every time we see it, we shake again with laughter and shudder with fear at Dorothy's adventures with her friends. Clearly, the Wizard of Oz is part of our cultural identity, our social fabric. You can go anywhere in this nation and say, I'll get you, my pretty, and your little dog, too, and people will know exactly what you're talking about. Why is this such a popular movie, even 82 years after it was released? 82 years. Part of it is nostalgia, I'm sure. It reminds us of what seems like a more innocent age. Partly, I'm sure, it's the music. Maybe it's the sentimental theme, there's no place like home. 
Whatever the case, we can all relate in some way to Dorothy and her friends. So why do I bring this up? Believe it or not, when I read our gospel reading for today, earlier this week, it reminded me of the Wizard of Oz. Hold on now, I'm not crazy. I promise, let me explain. Think back to the movie with me. Remember with me the moment that Dorothy and her friends and every one of us in the audience first saw the wizard for the first time. That giant shimmering head that appeared amidst roaring thunder and bursts of flame. His voice was like what we imagine the voice of God to be like terrifying and awful now this is truly a great and powerful wizard and Dorothy and her friends are mightily impressed and despite their fears they are thrilled that this wizard was indeed everything that they'd been told he'd be he had power and might he was magnificent everything they hoped for even though he made tremendous demands on them. Yes, clearly, if ever there was a whiz of a wizard, the Wizard of Oz is one, because of the wonderful things he does. But you who have seen the movie know that that moment was not the whole story, was it? You know as well as I do that the wizard turned out to be something entirely different and considerably less than what Dorothy and her friends had hoped for. After risking their very lives to fulfill the wizard's demands, Dorothy and the gang returned not to find the godlike wizard they dreamed of, but instead a man who knew some good tricks. Just another guy pulling levers behind a curtain and fooling his audience. Thunder, flame, the terrifying voice, the shimmering vision of his face. It was all fake. Pure baloney. I have to believe that we all felt the same way the first time we saw the movie. We were dismayed, indignant, We were disappointed. We were angry. Here the wizard was nothing more than just another guy. And for that matter, a guy who turned out to be from nearly the same place as Dorothy. How could he be a wizard? He was too ordinary, too familiar, too human. So in today's gospel lesson, we encounter that same kind of reaction to Jesus. Indignation, disappointment, even anger. Remember the scene, people had traveled for miles around to see Jesus, of whom many magnificent stories had already been told. Mighty works had been done by this Jesus. Sick people were cured. Blind could see again. People had been raised from the dead. The stories, 
The amazing stories were flying like wildfire around the countryside, and people were flocking to see this great and mighty one, this godlike person who could make all things right for them. And included in that crowd were some from Jesus' hometown like Dorothy and her friends, gazing dumbfounded, and an old man in a frumpy suit, standing where a true wizard should be, these people arrived from Nazareth, looked at Jesus, and couldn't believe they'd been so fooled. Him? You're kidding, right? Jesus? Jesus, who we played with when we were kids? Jesus, whose parents we all know? He's the Messiah? you got to be kidding. We traveled all this way expecting to find the one who will be king over Israel and find instead just the guy from down the street? They were dismayed and indignant and angry. What a joke! There's an old saying from the Bible that Jesus himself quotes in Mark 6, verse 4, that a prophet is honored everywhere except in his own country and in his own hometown and among his own family. Jesus, in this moment, is suffering from a credibility gap, isn't he? All of a sudden, folks are beginning to wonder based on the testimony of those from his hometown. These people from Nazareth were certain that they knew him already. They already had him stuffed into a box of their own defining. Carpenter's son. Maybe a little odd, as we recall. Certainly not Messiah material. And once in that box... You're never allowed to be anything but just that. I wonder if you know what that's like. I wonder if maybe you've experienced the same frustration that Jesus surely must have that day. Are there people in your life who've insisted on knowing you for who you were rather than for what you've become? Maybe there were Maybe they were friends from high school who can't seem to forget the things that you are still embarrassed about. Maybe they're parents or brothers or sisters who can't get it into their heads that you've grown up since then, who insist on treating you like you're a teenager when you're now, what, 45, 55. Oh, never mind that you're a doctor or a city council member or that you've achieved a high rank in the service or a teacher or considered to be wise by those around you. The people you grew up with can be the very last to recognize what you are today. To them, you are and always will be the guy that got caught drinking at the high school dance, the girl who got walked out of German class for cheating on the final, the one who fumbled the football at the goal line during the big game, the one who played the fool one too many times. At one level or another, they say that we all suffer 
from being put in a box that we would rather not be in. Labeled as something we don't want to be anymore. I have friends who moved away from their hometown and never returned. People who have achieved all kinds of things in their life, but who still carry in their hearts a terrible fear, a fear that the curtain is going to get pulled back. People will see that we're an awful like an awful lot like that old man in a frumpy suit standing where a true wizard should be. We're afraid of being called a fake, a pretender, an imposter. Have you ever heard of what's called imposter syndrome? It has other names too, like imposter phenomenon or imposterism or fraud syndrome. It's a crazy common thing. Some say as much as 70% of adults experience it at some time. It's when we doubt our own skills, our talents, our accomplishments, our own abilities, even when they may be well proven. And we carry around an internal fear that someone's going to expose us as a fake, a fraud, an imposter. Never mind any evidence, however strong, that you are competent, even gifted. If you have imposter syndrome, you are convinced that your success is only due to luck. Or that you've deceived people into thinking more highly of you than you really deserve. And that at any moment, somebody's going to pull back that curtain and expose you for the fake that you really are. And at least part of the reason you doubt yourself is that there have always been people who have been perfectly happy to remind you of your failures and your shortcomings. People who think they know everything they need to know about who you are and they want to keep you in that same box, marked with the same labels, people who are uncomfortable with you having ambitions beyond their own visions for your life. I still remember very clearly a day almost 40 years ago, the first time my sisters saw me wearing a clergy shirt and they laughed in my face. You, a pastor? Yeah, right. If I didn't have enough self-doubt already when I first saw myself in the mirror wearing that black shirt and white collar, I certainly had plenty then, thanks to my loving family. Which gets me at last to my point today. I suspect that every single one of us knows what insecurity and self-doubt feel like when it comes to sharing our faith. I have to believe that many of us suffer from an attack of imposter syndrome when we're asked to talk about how Jesus has made a difference in our lives, especially among those who know us best, who've seen us at our worst, who just might say, you a person of faith? Yeah, right. Because when we look in the mirror, who of us fits that model? The ideal 
of what a faithful follower of Jesus looks like. Or at least what we imagine what a faithful follower of Jesus looks like. We don't even need our brothers and sisters to help us doubt about this one. We all carry around in our heads and in our hearts a picture of faithfulness to Jesus. And I'll be the first to admit that the guy I see in my mirror is often a long way from looking like that picture. We carry grudges. We say hateful things, or at least think them. We have little patience for those we're supposed to love. We judge those in need rather than show compassion and generosity. The list of our failures goes on and on, and yet the truth remains that we are to be Jesus for one another. Oh my goodness, I'm supposed to talk with others about my faith when so often the evidence, that is what I actually say and do, runs the opposite of what Jesus calls me to. And my friends and family, the people who know me best, how are they going to react to my Jesus talk? My co-workers saw my behavior at the last holiday party. My friends have seen me on the golf course when I shank an iron shot. My family has heard the jokes I tell. My children have tolerated my rants about this and that. My spouse knows what a skin flint I can be when it comes to sharing with others. I'm supposed to be Jesus to others after all that? At any moment, that curtain could be pulled back by so many people in my life, and I'll be exposed for what I really am a sinner. Every moment, every day, desperately in need of God's love and God's forgiveness. And guess what? God knows that. Listen to this good news, this gospel good news, my friends. God knows you. And God loves you. And God forgives you. And God yearns for you to be whole. Never mind the conventional wisdom that those who know us best are going to be a hindrance to our becoming what we might be. God knows us better than anyone else, better than we even know ourselves. And God still has high hopes for who you can be. And who you can be for Jesus' sake, for the sake of your neighbors, your family, your spouse, is a person who shows God's love in what you say and do. Our behavior matters as a witness to our faith. St. Paul says it so beautifully in our second reading for today. Put away all bitterness and wrath and anger and wrangling and slander together with all malice. And instead be kind to one another. Tender-hearted, forgiving one another even as God in Christ has forgiven you. Be imitators of God as beloved children. And live in love. 
You know, one of the things that I love most about The Wizard of Oz is that every single one of the characters in that movie was a broken person, inadequate in their own eyes. Each had a deficiency that held them back. If I only had a brain, if I only had a heart, if I only had courage, if I could only find my way home. And yet, in the end, each and every one of them was shown to have exactly what they needed, revealed finally in their taking a risk for a higher good. Today, you and I are called to a higher good. We're called to live in love, to be Jesus for each other. Listen, this holy calling does not require us to be perfect, thank God, since none of us can be. But it does push us hard to try, try, try every day and in every moment to show each other the kindness that God has shown us in Christ We don't have to claim to be something that we're not. Something more than we are. We don't have to do magnificent acts of wonder and awe. We don't have to feed 5,000 or cure the sick or raise the dead. But we can take a moment to listen patiently, to respond with generosity, to show kindness whenever and wherever we can. For in this, indeed, God is glorified, and through it, God's love breaks into this world. This is the promise of God, my friends, that we don't go alone into this good work. God will bless us as we struggle. God will give us what we need. God will bless our efforts. It is my fervent prayer that you'll consider today just how God is nudging you, pushing you, calling you to live in love. Let us listen. Let us follow for Jesus' sake. Amen. The most valuable message we have to share at Faith is the promise we have in Jesus. We come together every Sunday to share this good news in the reading of Scripture and sharing of Holy Communion. It is these two acts of worship that we learn of the forgiveness, peace, and joy that Jesus has won for us on the cross. These gifts also belong to you, and we hope you will feel welcome to receive them. After we've shared worship together, we trust that we are ready to be sent out into the world to serve our neighbor, and you're welcome to join us in that great work as well. There are so many opportunities at Faith to be the hands and feet of Jesus in the world. It's what we feel called to do. It's what we're passionate about. Above all, I want to encourage you in your faith. No matter where you're at in your journey with Christ, you are welcome to visit Faith as often as you are able. But whatever you do, keep searching. There is a church family set aside just for you. And I trust the Holy Spirit will place you right where you need to be.